The Revision Speaker Series is a Guildhouse initiative bringing together creative minds from around the globe to discuss contemporary arts practice. Revision has been curated as a COVID response, enhancing connectivity, sustainability and well-being across the arts community. This podcast is an audio recording from a live Zoom session recorded on Ghana Country. Thank you all for joining us from around South Australia and Australia today. I'm Debbie Pryor, the Artistic Program Manager at Guildhouse, and I am very excited to welcome you all to the inaugural session of the Revision Speaker Series. This series of conversations is aimed at increasing connectivity within the arts during this time of disconnect to offer an opportunity to artists to increase their well-being and to find new models of sustainability within their practice. Community is at the heart of the September sessions. Speakers and participants will unpack the ways in which they create, engage and serve communities, especially in times of crisis. Complementing the speaker series is a tech mentor program enabling artists to grow skills where they're needed most. We have more info on our website with the first round of interest for the mentorships closing on September 30. Guildhouse has received support from the Australia Council ADAPT Fund for the revision program, in addition to support from the Day Family Foundation and Creative Partnerships Australia, for which we are very grateful. I'm speaking with you from Ghana land in South Australia, and I pay my respects to the traditional elders of this land, past, present and emerging. And I acknowledge the rich and ongoing creative culture of the Aboriginal people. I'm really excited to introduce Vipu Shivalasa, who not only has an incredibly refined and vibrant ceramic practice, but also a generous and global activism and fundraising arm to that practice. I'll ask Victoria, uh, session moderator, to share her screen and we can show a few more images of Vipu's work while I give a little bit of an intro. Thank you, Victoria. Vipu uh, Srivalasa is a Thai-born, Melbourne-based artist, curator and arts activist. Vipu works predominantly in porcelain, but also is also an interdisciplinary, uh, sorry, but also in an interdisciplinary manner, creating works on paper, mixed media and bronze sculpture, as well as public art. Vipu's playful blend of European historical figures and Asian decorative arts practices often explores contemporary cross-cultural and migration experiences. Collaboration is an important aspect of Vipu's practice. In addition to exhibiting, he regularly organises projects of cultural exchange between artists and audiences within Australia and internationally, and uses ceramics as a way to invite diverse communities into his creative processes. Most recently, Vipu has worked with the Australian and international clay communities to raise funds for Australian bushfire relief and Black Lives Matter, and is also a co-founder of the international not-for-profit Ceramics for Charity. Welcome, Vipu. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I will talk a lot less now and we can hear from you. <laughs> but I... <laughs> And I'll start with, I would love to hear you talk about your practice in your own words, but I'm particularly interested to know what attracted you to become an artist and initially how ceramics became your primary medium. Uh, that's a lot of questions. Which one should I ask first? <laughs> well, you can describe your own practice in, in your own words, if that helps. Um, I'm basically making things I like to make and things that make me happy, whether it's art or it's craft or whatever it's defined by other people. But for me, it's just a thing that I like to make. 
And uh, my dream is to make a living out of my creativity. And I have been doing it for almost 20 years now. So I'm living my dream right now. Um, what is the, the second question? Uh, really how you became an artist. What, what was it that drove you to know that that's what you wanted right. to do for your life? Yes. Yeah, um, yes, I remember now you asked me why I do ceramics. Um, it's because it's sexy. You know, sometimes like you, um, I was single before, so I, I get in touch with ceramics and the way I touch it, the way I feel, it's it kind of like, you know, satis satisfying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, because <a> ceramic, <laughs> ceramic is more like, um, it's, it's the idea of making some, like a lump of clay to something really, um, fantastic, I guess. It changed. It changed from, from something that you can find anywhere in the world, but turn into something that you put in a gallery. It's kind of fascinating me. It's also um, the, the excite, excitement of Open the Kiln. Uh, I have been doing ceramic for 20 years, and every time I open the kiln, it still excites me. It's just like gambling, but instead of money, I spend my time and energy as the exchanging. Sometimes I lost, sometimes I win. Uh, sometimes you open the camera and it's all exploded. You're just like, oh yeah, it's bring, bring you back to earth. Like you just, you're not that great, really. And, Very humbling. And ceramic, <laughs> ceramic had something that different from other materials. Um, like if you do painting or other thing, it just you can see the finish whenever it, it finished. But for ceramics, you you have to let it go because you have to put it in the kiln, and you just don't really know what would happen. And you know, it's kind of like a little magic at the end of the process. I think that's what I like about ceramics. Mm. Had you seen other ceramicists that really inspired you to to make, or did you really? Um, you had to go with the material and you just clicked with it. You knew that that's what you wanted to do. Oh, when, when I was starting? Mm. Yeah, uh, I think when I started, I, 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 I was at a high school when I made um, a fashion accessory for sale. And back then I used air dry clay. Uh, but in Thailand, we don't have air dry clay. So we make it ourselves using um, uh, bread mixed with glue turned into kind of like paste and turned into like air dry clay. But what happened is it's very popular with cockroach. So my clients brought my jewelries and earrings and necklace, but then like three months later, they have a bit gone because the cockroach ate them. Oh, um, wow. So that's, <laughs> that's led me to, to find something, some other material that um, lasts longer. And I found ceramic is kind of similar to uh, air dry clay. So I, I just choose ceramics. Not, not, no, not very inspiring answer, isn't it? It's just not easy <laughs> to And then you entered a, a new world of um, discovery, I guess, once you knew that you're not, you weren't just sculpting the clay, but you were glazing it and you were firing it. And, and who, who knew what would mm. happen from there? <laughs> mm, yes. I think in... Um, I think it was about 2008, I saw um, you host a dinner at 4A Gallery in Sydney. Mm. I think mm. it was Taste, Touch, Tell was the exhibition. And I'd never seen you do performative aspects or introduce that into your 
practice before and I'd love to know what drove you to I mean that might not be it might not have been the first time but it was the first time I saw it and I wonder what drove you to introduce that aspect into your practice um well back then um Aaron Sito was the director and he offered at the AFO and he offered me an exhibition the solo show at AFO gallery and on one condition that my work I have to come up with the idea that my work is not being shown in the gallery and on the print. It's basically like, yeah, you can have a show at 4A gallery, but not in the gallery. Oh. <laughs> so it, I took it as a challenge and I come up with the idea of like making, <laughs> go back to ceramics because ceramic is like functionality of it. Mm. And so I thought like uh, it could transfer the idea of uh, senses. So the, it's, it's a new way for people to experience my work. Normally, people just come and look at my work, but through this dinner, they can actually touch, they can taste it when they put food in their mouth, they can hear it when the cutlery kind of like hit the, the, the porcelain, and they can smell the food. Uh, so that's the idea of doing dinner projects coming. And to do the dinner project, you also have to perform as well. Um, it's not, it's, you can't just have dinner and then just put food on the table. People are just not entertained enough, I think. So you have to, not like dancing or doing things like that, but you kind of like tell a story and talk to them and be a bit animated. So they're kind of happy and enjoy the dinner, which I already cook, uh, which I cook as well. So at least, uh, you know, if the food's not good, say they enjoy my entertainment. <laughs> and in sharing your own food, you're sharing your culture with the audience as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny thing. Food is the first thing that people who... Uh, taste or try or learn of different culture, mm. you know, like to 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 learn some some new things. I think food is the easiest thing for people to experience different culture or experience the new culture. So that's why I think using food is such a good idea and metaphor. And also, if the food is really good, everything else could fail. People still remember it's a good show. Yeah. <laughs> and how did it feel? from your point of view as the artist, not just putting mm. artwork on a plinth in a gallery, but performing and interacting and talking and seeing immediate responses from your audience? Well, first, it was really challenging. You know, it's just like, I just don't get the idea because when I enter for a con contemporary um, gallery, it's kind of changing um, aspect of my work and changing the context of my work. Mm. But because of Aaron, I own him a lot because the, the way he puts it, the way he kind of like guiding me through the process, it actually um, changed the way I work and changed the way I approach my work since then. Mm -hmm. And I can see, before I see ceramic as a, like the only thing, like, you know, things that I respect, I, I can't do anything with ceramic. It has to be like a particular way of work ceramics. But now I see ceramic or clay as a material. It's not just to make sculpture, but I can use this material in different ways. I can use it to connect people together. I could use it to kind of like provide a, a platform for cultural exchange. So it, it I feel like I, clay is much bigger for me now than before. And now that's become, Hi, uh, <laughs> it's become quite an important part of your practice, hasn't it? I know you've um, done some performances and collaborations recently with even in at Craft Victoria with Love Lab, you yes. performed that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that project, which I think was part of the Garland magazine? 
Yeah, oh, it, it actually was part of my exhibition called uh, The Marriage of Sang Tong, uh, talking about um, the equality in marriage or equality love. Um, I just used Thai story, uh, Thai folktale story to tell story of the same-sex marriage that I experienced in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the aspects of the story is a big feast after the, the main character get married. And I just thought, oh, that would be good to involve some food. So I bring the idea of um, people come to me and I'm a, like a food doctor or a love doctor and then people could fill in the questionnaire, uh, what is their ideal lover? Um, so like sexy, handsome, rich or kind or things like all these aspects of, of the lover they want. And each aspect can translate into in different ingredients. And at the end, so the more they choose the aspect, the more ingredient will come together. And I turn this ingredient into um, finger food. So they actually could taste how their ideal love tastes like. Wow. Mm. And did that, was that pre, that must have been pre-COVID? Yes. Was- uh, the last one we did, is just like a week before the lockdown. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how was the response from the audiences? Uh, they love it. They, they think it's really fun. And actually, it's really... Um, in a way that that if I make it serious, if people don't get it, people just 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 don't involve with the, the issue. For example, one of the question is, um, what kind of energy do you have? So I have like you know five one like you know one female, four male, or like one uh, two female energy and three three males energy in you. So even though you're female, but when you come in, you like. Oh, hang on, but I'm female, but I actually I feel like I have more masculine energy in me, more than you know, feminine energy. So this way, kind of talking about sexuality without putting like you know at the front of you, kind of more subtle and more fun. And I have a lot of um, male participants come in and say like, oh, I didn't realize I actually when I think about it, when when the question was asked, and it, he think about what it is, he realized actually had some feminine in in him as well. Mm. Speaking about gender, I, I noticed a stat for one of your fundraising uh, pieces with the uh, Clay with Australia that around um, 95 participants of that project were female. But I wondered mm. if that was a surprise to you and if you have any um, kind of commentary or, or, or um, anything to say around that. Well, I wasn't surprised. Look now, look at how many people participated. <laughs> Always, always uh, more like 95% females and 5% male. I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is, but it's always like this. Yeah. And were the participants, were they um, the people that were donating artworks to that fundraiser or were they the purchasers of the... Um, more like people who donate work. I, I can't track with the people who purchase um, the work. But people who don't network, I can track them. So that, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that might kind of lead us into talking about your um, activism within your practice and your fundraising. And to me, I think there's a, um, a relationship between working collaboratively and then that growing into activism and fundraising and working within a community. Is that how it has worked with you? Is that how it came to be? It kind of, I wasn't planning to do anything. Thing like I just feel like I need to do something like the first time when I saw um, I think the biggest one was um, the, uh, the flood in Thailand in southern Thailand 
And I feel like I want to help, but I don't know how to help. Uh, but I know I make work and I know people like to buy my work. So it's not like that might be the case. So I don't have enough cash to donate. Uh, but someone else might have the catch to donate, but then how could I get them to donate the catch? So I thought maybe selling my artwork as a as an auction could work, but then it's not just me that think the same thing. There's other artists also have the similar idea, but no one actually wants to do anything. So I thought I'm pretty good at organizing. I just use my skill as an organizer and then get it together. And once you did once you did it once, it's easier to do like a second and a third one. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and and you find a way that to work lesser and lesser, even though it's getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And what was the first um, the first thing that you raised money for? Uh, it was for Southern uh, Southern Thailand. They yeah. have a big flood in Southern Thailand, and I get together with a lot of artists in in Thailand in Bangkok, mm. and they donate artwork, and then um, people in Bangkok, uh, people in Thailand just bought it off and donate the money to this um, Southern Thailand flood um, rescue team. Yeah. And then come to flood in Brisbane and then uh, clay for Nepal. And then I, from clay for Nepal, I start to use the word clay for because all ceramics. So clay for Nepal, clay for Australia and clay for clay community. Clay for Australia was for the bushfire this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, that's like one of the biggest one. Um, and then they have clay for clay community because when COVID hit, people just couldn't sell their work anymore. No one buy anything. Um, so I thought like, if we just do this kind of like one person buy one work and then when they get enough profit, they just buy another piece. So generate the income among the Potter, Potter society or among the, the ceramic community. So that help as well. So mm-hmm. some of the people who take part like um, sell enough to buy three three more pieces from other artists that's incredible and how many artists mm. do you have that's that's part of that i i this one i just that's what i said to you you learn how to work less but get more so this one i was just like well you can take part anyone can take part just use the hashtag play for community so this i can't track how many people taking part but yeah. then at the same time i don't have to work so much it's very, very smart, Vipu. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you can't do it. It was just, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. Mm. Um, it's a good idea the first day when you start, and then like, you realize that, you know, two days later, oh, shit, like, you just have to contact so many people. You have to follow up um, so many artists. When I first did Clay for, before Clay for Australia, I just like, at center, everybody send me money, everybody send me my artwork, and then send out the artwork. So it was so much work. Mm. And later on, I just find out, it's better to not do the money. People just donate to the organization they like under the theme of like BL, uh, Black, uh, Black Lives Matter or like under like bushfire. Mm-hmm. Send me the receipt and then done. So this is a lot easier for me. And then I do ask the artist to donate the work but contact with the buyer directly. So I don't have to send the work. But I still have to go follow like, you know, if the work has been sent, if the buyer already get uh, uh, the, the, the work, Safely. Mm, I do remember watching um, Clay for Australia online on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing that how much money you were earning, and how many, or how much money was being donated, and how mm-hmm. many were involved. And I remember thinking, how are you doing all of that? That's massive, you know. But I also know you <laughs> had a community that was helping you, and I guess yes. that's what I'm really interested in as well. That you nothing happens really in isolation, and how no. did you bring those people together and choose who would be helping you? Well, if you start, they come. 
that's really I couldn't do it by myself to be honest. I, maybe the first one that I did by myself, but the second and third that later on, it's, it's when you start, people just people just come in and offer help. Um, it, it's someone just sometimes unexpected it, like you know, I, I someone donating the work and I talk to them and they say like anything else that can help, and I say like okay, maybe you could help me count how much how much money people donate, and um, she's really happy to help with these kind of things. But Play for Australia have almost like, I think almost 10 people helping me. Wow. It was a lot, yeah. It, and you raised it, nearly $50,000. Yeah, yeah, I, probably more, but I just couldn't count. I just, you know, people just do it slowly and then they don't, they don't send the receipt in time. It's just like, I can't wait. I just want to move on. And you've recently co-founded Ceramics for Charity. Can you tell me about how that came to be? Because that sounds bit more specific and that you've got a, a core group of people that are doing that with you. Well, you want a short, short one or you want a long one? <laughs> Whichever is the, the most entertaining thing. <laughs> well, the long one is quite entertaining perhaps, but hopefully you understand how uh, what I try to say. But it start off, uh, I want to increase the following, the following of my Instagram. It doesn't seem relating, but that's how it started. So yeah. I enrolled in the course called um, uh, Instagram for Artists. Uh, I think seven-day Instagram for Artists things uh, from ceramics uh, school. And part of the course is um, the director of the ceramics school will review my, my Instagram personally and give me a comment of how can I make it improvement or how could I do to make a more uh, interesting, more my account interesting. But because of that, uh, the director, which is George, know what I did before and learn about my um, charity aspect. And he liked the work. So after rebuilding my Instagram, he, he contacted me and asked if I want to do something with him, like uh, 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 organize a ceramic for charity with him. And that's how it started. And then I thought like, just the two of us, maybe we should including um, a creator to help create a, a really good and professional expectations as part of the project. So that's how Wendy coming in and the three of us uh, work together and help uh, create this um, ceramic for charity. But mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't uh, like, oh, one day I got up and okay, I want to create these ceramic for charities and foundations and things like that. No, it just start from unexpected thing. It's very unexpected to enroll in a in a class and then suddenly be mm. co-founding no, no. that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> it was but, but it was that's i think that's how how things happen mm. and it sounds like collaboration is really a big part of your mm. practice so whether you're mm. actively seeking it you're obviously kind of um putting putting that out there for people that they're responsible yeah if i haven't done any other project before um, josh would notice you know what I have done before. He wouldn't approach me, but because I did this so many projects and I put it on Instagram, then he can see it. And then he get the idea and he can talk to me. And because of that, I I know how it works, so I can accept his invitation and we can work together. Mm. Mm. I um I'm interested to know what you've been doing during lockdown because obviously you're in Melbourne and you're experiencing such um, an intense time at the moment. And mm. being a creative person, Hipu, it sounds like you haven't really stopped and that you've started the Wellness Deity <laughs> project. It was the busiest time ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You just I was like, 
myself. Yeah, I was like, okay, when even the first time lockdown happened, it's like I'm gonna take time off, but then I just couldn't do it because you know, like your brain just going and then suddenly stop, it didn't work. So I thought like maybe I needed two weeks just to cool down. So I started making these little people, like little things, little figurines. And somehow uh, I just thought make 19 of them because COVID-19 so just keep me company. Mm. And it becomes so popular. It sells really well and people just want more and more. I just couldn't make enough of them. And then, <laughs> and then, and then I like got the idea, oh, maybe this grant coming, I should apply for a grant doing something about COVID. So I created like a um, um, wellness deity. It's asking people to send me the idea of what is the COVID deity that have a special power to fight off the, the, the COVID-19. And then, and then I got like 60 people applying, but I only want 19. And so it's kind of, and then from that, I have to choose 19 writers to write about the deity. And after that, I have to create 19 deity in ceramics. So that's a lot of work. But then yeah. I make gallery sale, oh, this time is really good for gallery. People buy a lot. Would you like to do online show as well? So I, oh yes, it will be good. So, so, it was crazy these four months. Um, I don't know, but for artists, I think it's the best time because I also have time to actually paint. I want to do a painting for a long time, but I haven't had a chance. So mm. I, I take this opportunity to do painting and it was really fun. And then Ballarat City Council, uh, before the COVID-19, they offered me uh, to run two days workshop as part of the creative weeks. But because of the COVID-19, um, they can't run it, but they're like, I want to honor you, uh, keep... Um, keep the artist fee for you, but can you come up with some uh, projects? So I do a COVID superhero. So that's another project on top of another project. So it's like, uh, gone crazy. But because of that, because of that, it, I, want, I didn't feel alone because I have to connect with so many people that I collaborate with, I have to email them, I have to follow up the, 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 um, the, you know, the writer and have to follow up with all the People who participate and keep it. Can you send me invoice so I can pay you? Or can you send me a bit more detail or send me the pictures? Mm. So this way, I don't feel like I'm actually isolated. Definitely. And we were kind of talking before about how, um, yeah, we are more globally accessible and we're doing programs like this so that you're in the homes of South Australians and Australian artists, whereas mm. you might not have had that opportunity. Otherwise, we kind of, um, we found some, some definite uh, pros to this. Mm. This position. Yeah, I think before COVID, the word Zoom, it just make no sense. No one know yeah. about Zoom and no one want to get into it. But now like Zoom is become like a verb. Have you Zoom yet? You want to Zoom <laughs> with me? You know, like what? <laughs> become like a common thing. It has. You're right. <laughs> Look, I can see um, a question has come through. So we might um, jump over to questions. Thank you, Vipu. Um, sure. If anyone else has any questions, please do pop them in the chat or if you'd like to ask people your question directly, just pop that in the chat that you'd like to ask the question. I said um, hi, Judith. <laughs> so one of the questions we have from Guildhouse is, what advice, Vipu, would you give to other artists that want to kickstart a collective as you have? What advice? Um, mm. It just starts... <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Don't ask questions too much and don't try to um, find out too much of information or advice because once you know uh, what it is, uh, what you're facing, you may not do it. 
Well, that's true, isn't it? Once yes. you know the full, <laughs> the full picture, it seems much like <laughs> you might be able yeah. to just start it. Like every time, it just maybe it's just a simple little thing, but then it grows. Yeah. Mm. But if you try to think too much, then you just don't start anything. And it sounds like you have started things and once they have become bigger, you've had the capacity to actually invite people in or to accept help. I guess that's a huge thing, isn't it, when you're mm. doing a group project to be able to say, actually, I do need some assistance with this. Yeah, you have to know your limit and you have to be able to let go of lots of aspect of your idea. And, mm. uh, you know, like uh, sometimes you have idea of this going to be this, 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 but then you can't do it. You need someone help. And then they come up with a different idea. And if you think it's a good idea, you just let it go of what you had in mind. Otherwise, mm. you'd become like a control freak and you just couldn't get anything moving. That's right. I think if this year has taught us anything, flexibility is um, <laughs> is it. It's, it's been the key word, hasn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, does anyone else have any questions? Oh, thank you for that question, Emma. Um, does anyone else have any other ones that they'd like to ask, whether it's about um, activism or um, your practice? Um, oh, Sam Gold saying thank you for being, she was part of one of the Clayfer community online. Mm. Uh, she did donate a lot and she brought the ticket to come to Melbourne too. Uh, but then COVID happened, so she couldn't come for a long time. Incredible. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Sam? Do you want to turn on your mic? And you don't have to. I just saw your eyes widen as I suggested that. <laughs> Hello. Can Hi. You? Hi. <laughs> yes. I was like, okay, but then I get shy. Um, it was really great to be a part of it. The um, the raffle, particularly with who you were really kind and helping me navigate times and had a bid and that was really nice and I won a weekend at David Ray's apartment and some time with Vipu and it was just really nice to as somebody at that present moment I don't think I had any work to donate but or like to do anything or and I just yeah it was nice to be able to give in that way financially um and it was just it, it was exciting in a really dark period of time as well so it was not only um the facts of what was happening in the environment and to us socially, but that you created some fun and you brought our community together. And I've made, you know, a friend with you, Vipu, and oh, well, you know, really not yet. We haven't met in person yet. No, not in person, online. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so it was nice to feel closer to community in that way. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I look forward to welcome you in Melbourne when Me too. the time when the time <laughs> when you can travel again. Yes. And to everyone else, when they can travel again, you should go to David Ray's Airbnb. Mm, David Ray is really an cool. incredible um, Melbourne-based ceramicist who has started an, an Airbnb room that he has made everything in it himself, including the furniture, mm. and it is outstanding. Just so go and pinch some of the work. <laughs> exactly. So I'm sure once, yeah, when the borders open, go for it. Yes, um, tell him people there to come and pinch some work. <laughs> He'll love that. Um, it does sound like a fun and kind of playfulness is really at the heart of your practice, Vipu. Yeah, uh, I don't know why, but yeah, it seemed like that, yes. Mm. And it worked really well for me. It's uh, That's how I connect to people. Mm. But, but in reality, I'm a very sad person. I'm like depressed and I'm, you know, never happy and all like that. 
I'm just putting like happy face on. Well, you're certainly connecting with people in a very meaningful way through through your playfulness and and I guess breaking down the barriers without you know by having that um, creating that atmosphere, which is really mm. beautiful to see. Thank you. Um, does anyone else have any questions that they would like to ask of Vipu about his practice or activism in any way? Hmm. Fire away. So secret recipe, secret glaze. Uh, are you guys all ceramic artists? I know Sammy is. Judy is. Who? Raise your hand if you are. One, two, Judy. I know Judy. Sue. Ashi. Tom Bunch. I, I haven't seen you before, so good to see you in, in this picture. <laughs> if there Hi, are. Hi, Henry. <laughs> so, thank you. Happy Hedge, Alice. Hi, Yoko. John, hello, you're a bit late, but welcome. <laughs> so one of the reasons, Vipu, that we started this program was because we had um, feedback from our members and from our community that they wanted the opportunity to talk to people in real life, whether mm. that's actually over Zoom or whether it's in person. So this program, um, although we have, you know, thematics and there particular topics that we're talking about, it's also a wonderful opportunity for us to all show our faces and, and have a little chat if if that's um, how we, we want to interact. So thank you for making this possible and, and creating a fun space as well for us to all ask you questions. No problem. Hi, Vipu. Hello. Oh, hi, Judith. Hi. Um, I wonder how you just keep working so hard. Um, I think I was the opposite during lockdown. I, I just stopped working and oh. couldn't get started again. So I saw you working so flat out and you were doing bronze and everything else. Mm. Um, I just, I was just the opposite. And um, I felt very, very lonely just. Oh no. But, um, you know, it's just the way it is. You, you obviously had so much to do. But it's so great to see you. I haven't seen you for ages. <laughs> yeah, since Tasmania. Yeah. Well, no. I think I think that's one thing I I do well is uh, social media. I, I kind of addicted to it. I think that's uh, it's a way of, to make me myself feel not too lonely in the studio because I feel like I connected with other people. Mm. I don't know if that's a good idea or not because it's also distracting from from my, from when I work. Yeah. Um, I think I I just stopped looking at media um, mm. because I don't know it just just made me sad. No. So, <laughs> but well, anyway, talk to I'm, us. Look, I've got twenty I'm, people here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back working now, so <laughs> oh, wonderful. I've started, so but it's so great to hear, actually hear you talk. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us too, Judith. Thank you. Uh, Feed the concepts behind your work, Vipu, what you see on social media and how people um, react to you. I think that's what Belle's asking. I just talked over your question, Belle. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're asking? You can unmute and ask if yeah. you like. Do you want to talk? Oh, hi, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's more or less all I was asking. Just, you know, you've mentioned that you like social media a lot. Mm. And obviously, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, social you know it's it is a sort of um social experience to some extent so i was wondering if it feeds into the content or the sort of subject 
behind some of your work? Yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes I I found like really good work. I just do it and then you know copy and then re put and then turn it to my work. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> All good artists feel. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it does it does help a lot. Uh, you know, like when you follow the artist you really like, uh, you just like oh my god, look at his you know the, the idea he has and then it, it inspired me to uh, do something good as well. And sometimes you just see things that you're not expecting, like you know, cat video like this. It's kind of relaxing, but then sometimes something click and you just get new idea from that cat. You know, it's happened. Like my cat play, I just make this cat play because I saw this cat video and I thought it's really cute. I want to do something with this cute cat. What's going to make cat play? And then itself. <laughs> Everybody cat, loves cats. Yes. That. It's also a negative thing too. Like when I work, like I check my my Instagram like every ten minutes just to see how many people comment on my post. It's not healthy in a way, and also like because it's distracting my concentration every ten minutes. Like I can't work two hours straight, and it affect my work a lot. So I have to find a way to deal with it. And it also a lot of people, including myself, have issue with Instagram or Facebook a lot, like you know, you're comparing yourself with other artists. It just I just can't help it. I know it's not good. I know you're not supposed to do it, but it just I just can't help myself when you see like, oh my God, this artist is doing really good work. I'm so happy for them. But then, oh man, I'm making shitty work. What to do? And because of that, I try to make a better work. Mm. It's quite a juggle um, social media, isn't it? I feel like sometimes mm. it really drives you to um, do more and to do better and other times it completely mm. um, you know kind of sinks you into the hole where you're comparing yourself to other people so it's about finding that balance isn't it yeah it's not about balance though <laughs> you have to get over it otherwise you just go to corner and never come out again you just you know, yeah. one thing that i learned is when you look at them it's not just from one person it's from so many different artists that i follow and because I've seen so many good work and I just realized, oh my God, my work is so crap. Oh, this work, somebody else have done it already. And so this work, somebody else have similar idea, but did much better than I do. But then when you look at someone, just one person feed, you realize actually it's not better than me or worse than me, but that's his style. Mm -hmm. but because I don't see him, his work alone, but I saw like hundreds of artists. So I feel like my work is kind of shit because you only see the best of every like 100 people. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Trying to say. But if you look at individually, it wasn't too bad. There's also a certain side of oneself that you put out to social media as well. So mm, it's, it's a very well curated. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you. But it's a good way to collaborate using social media. That's how, I, that's how I do my work and that's how I get all my charity things happen because of social media. So it wasn't all, all bad. You just have to know how to use it. Yeah. There's some hints for you, Judith, to um, up your Instagram <laughs> activity and hopefully that will create more of a community around you. It is so hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it, I find Instagram, you know, you look at your work and you go, oh, that's crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly what you're saying. And you yeah, go. That's, that's a hole you have to come out no, of. Otherwise, you, you just, to, yeah. You don't want to post the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we all have to start somewhere, I think. Well, it's, it's very hard and I, mm. I don't post much. 
but um, it's nice to, um, what I wanted to ask you was how, how did you start doing some uh, bronze work? How did I start to do some bronze work? I did bronze work for a while back, but then the second time I did it because um, I think, I can't remember how I did the one. I think I just make it, I just want to do some bronze work. That's it. And then I make one and then it it go really well. And my gallery suggests to do bigger one. Yeah. So I make a bigger pieces and then make it even bigger because it's um, very well received. Who, who did and you then, go who, what boundary did you go with? Uh, Mel, uh, Mel Wood in Melbourne, one of the best. Oh, yeah. He's like, it's not the cheapest, but he was no. the best in terms of understanding of, of what artists wanted. wanted. And he was really cool to work with. And having said that, I also worked with him for another project, The Married of Sang Tong. I make a smaller size bronze, but it's like kind of wall piece. But mm. I only sell one. So yeah. it didn't go really well at all. <laughs> um, so it, it it just you just don't know what it what work and what not work. Um, my gallery said because my work doing well because it's three D and that's what people remember. But when I hang my work on wall, it's become like a painting, and because of that, it can be compared with other painting. So yes. people might just think, okay, this one two and a half thousand dollar. What other painting I can buy? Yes. So it, all these little things that you just never learn in the university. So, so I have seen your work. So I, I do watch uh, Instagram. <laughs> hey, here you go. <laughs> do we have any more questions for Vipu? We might um, head into some breakout rooms. Oh, one more. Sue, I'll just unmute you. Yeah, he, she just said goodbye, I think. Hi, no. <laughs> oh. Is uh, Instagram your main social media platform? Uh, I three, three years ago, I have three of them. I have Facebook, which is my personal account, and Facebook fan page, and then and Instagram. And I only basically use Instagram only. Um, I found Facebook fan page. If you don't pay money, no one's seeing your post. So it's just kind of like not posted very much. Uh, the Facebook personal page, I still keep going because that's how I keep in touch with my family in Thailand and my friends in Thailand. And Instagram is the only professional um, outlet for me. I just post picture of my work, basically. Yes. And you do it regularly, you were saying, every day? Yeah, um, once a day at 9 o'clock is the most busiest time of my um, followers. So I use that time to post. Um, I also turn my Instagram into like influencers. Or I think, is that the word? I can't remember. They have like normal Instagram business and kind of like influencers. And this way I can track like how many people watching my Instagram, how many followers like my data and which kind of data that they like. So I cater my Instagram to, to fit with that, you know, uh, analyzing. Having said that, I'm doing that for, uh, I think, like two months. And it, I can see, this is part of my course, the Instagram course for artists. So I can see, like, it suddenly got so much more followers and faster. But after two months, I feel depressed because I feel like Instagram actually owned me. I have to create a, a content that fit with what people expect to see and what people wanted to see instead of what I wanted to put on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. So once I realized that problem, I just stopped looking at all these analyzed 
analytic and then I just post what I want to post and I just don't really care. Well, I still do care, but I just not go too much like, you know, what kind of content people like to see. So I don't feel like I have to produce this kind of particular content to please the audience. Does that make sense, Sue? Yeah. So once you've conceived of your idea for your project, how do you go about, you promote it on Instagram as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I basically, my project is a post on Instagram or on Facebook. And, and from there, it works. And sometimes I pay for Instagram advertising, which I don't know if it works or not, because I get charged like $50, but I see nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Having said that, so when I work with George um, in Ceramic School, he spent like $30,000 on Facebook advertising. Mm -hmm. And he has like 100,000 people uh, enroll for his course. Wow. So it's, I, for me, it was like this aspect of advertising, I just never know. I just never know anyone who spent more than $100 on Facebook advertising. But for him, it worked. Yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah, I'm not that familiar with Instagram, so it's sort of <laughs> enlightening to me that this is such an important part of... Um, yeah, your, your yeah. job. Yeah, I think for me, but some people like my friend Kirsten Keller, she has, um, she's a ceramic artist, a really, really beautiful work she made. She also had an Instagram, but she never posed because mm -hmm. she just didn't want to get all the things into her head. Like, are people like my work or people don't like my work? Why this work get more like than the other work? She just mm -hmm. used it as a, a, a tool to keep up with her friends. But she just, you know, she go to someone else and like and pose and chat, but she never posed on her, her Instagram. Mm. Um, do you mind if I ask another question? I don't want to sort of <laughs> dominate. No, it costs you ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can ask. Sorry. Um, I was just wondering that which one of the projects has sort of been the most popular. You know, I really love love the way that you're turning often difficult or. Um, you know, awkward issues into something really positive. Mm. Um, and I was just wondering which one was the most engaging? Have you sort of refined that as you've gone, gone along? Yeah, the one that is most popular and the one that I, the most engaging is the one I'm working on. Mm. Because I think once you finish, it's just not popular anymore. It's just not engaging anymore. I'm done and just move on to the new one. But the new one is not coming yet, so I just like you know, concentrate on what I'm working on right now, and that's that's the one that's most popular. <laughs> I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I think that's how it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sort of wondering in terms of popularity, like response from from the public, or well, they are popular in different kind of way. Um, the one that I open for participants, it's always more popular. Uh, like when I did the coral reef things, uh, collective corals, I asked people to send me uh, blue and white rubbish. And I was just thinking maybe I get like, you know, maybe 10 or 20 people send it to me from around, uh, from Australia. But then I get like, I think 50, 60 people from around the world, from Germany, from Asia, from Europe, like all around the world send me rubbish to, to, for me to use and make culture out of it. You know, that before Instagram time, just only Facebook. <laughs> but but for for um, for charity thing, it's also popular. People like to share and people like to help. Mm. 
I think everybody wants to help, but they they just don't know how they don't know how to help. They have they don't find a way that easily um, give help to other people. So I'm act as a middle person to to bridge these two sides together, and that's kind of um, that's why it's popular, I guess. Mm. That's great. Thank you very much. It's really inspiring. You're most welcome, Sue. Thank, Thank you, Sue. I, I will charge you $10 then. <laughs> I think we'll take one last question, which we have from Emma in the chat. Okay. Um, she asks, with so many big issues happening in the world right now, how do you determine what issues or needs to put your energy into? Are you driven by your own passions or what you hear from the community? Oh, easy. <laughs> the one that I close to me first, the one that is... Uh, I don't choose like which is the most priority problem to tackle. I don't choose like is the heaviest uh, problem I have to solve. It's I choose the one that I feel close with. I feel passionate about it. Um, otherwise, it won't last. Otherwise, I can't I can't work on it. You know, it has to be something that I really really enjoy. I really really like because it's a lot of work. And if you don't you don't choose the subject that you like, you just like give up really easily you just when when problems occur you just like oh why i'm doing this what's the point and you just like fizz out <laughs> but if you love this like for example when i work for play for australia i'm really passionate about it i really want to help those animals and you know it's so many problems come but you just fight you just find a way to work around it you just you just try you just not give up basically but yeah. if I choose to like support something like I don't know um, what the issue now um, I don't know like some protests or some things and I may not just do it I would just like give up because it's too difficult. Does anyone want to um, reveal anything from their conversation? I I want to say something about Gallery eighteen fifty five. Um, oh yeah, please. Please try and um, get um, get the council not to to make it into a coffee shop. Oh. And we're fighting very hard to oh. keep our gallery. There you go. That will be your passion to work on it. So yeah, yes, the fundraising and get people involved. It's one thing I'm trying to do. Mm. So we're we're trying to collect signatures, you know, as many as we can, so that 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 coffee maker doesn't that coffee shop doesn't go ahead and replace mm -hmm. a gallery. How are you collecting the signatures, Judith? One of the one of the girls uh, have been very active in getting behind it and um, just looking at um, what is going on behind the council and she's um, she's delved in a little bit deeper and found that um, the the woman is wanting to buy the whole property and it, it also has a, a creek and a, a part where people take photos at, at weddings and she'll she will get the lot if she built she buys it. Mm. So um and I think they just think money. So anyone in the Tea Tree Gully area please try and talk to the council. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Does anyone else have anything that they you don't um, feel obliged to? But I think Aisha and I were in a breakout together, and we were talking about who our favourite 
um, artists are that use activism within their work. And I was talking about Soda Jerk, who are an Australian duo living in New York, who have um, created some incredible um, commentaries on racial injustice, sexual injustice, all of the injustices, but with as, um, you know, much like Vipu, with some really playful, hysterical um, and very uh, moving uh, movies, particularly with Taryn Elias that they released last year. I'll just put a little link if anyone's interested. Um, does anyone else want to um, mention, make mention? Alice, so you're raising your, I'm just going to unmute you. Uh, um, one person that I, that I have really been admiring, who I'm actually, I had the good fortune of doing a little workshop with at the MCA to do, it's hard to describe what the activism is, but Deborah Kelly, who does yeah. collage and performance and brings a lot of people together to do project. It's a, basically about climate change um, and just watching her draw people together to work on that with her own enthusiasm has been really marvelous. So I do small scale um, fundraising myself and thinking about ways to use social media, like people was talking about, um, to, to get outside of my own neighborhood because I've been doing pretty well doing it locally, but um, that kind of reach is really interesting because Thank I wasn't you. expecting to speak. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for letting me put you on the spot. But we actually, we have Deborah Kelly in our Catapult Mentorship Program. Oh, and great. Yeah. Mentoring Anna Dowling as part of Catapult and Tarnandi, which we, the outcome of their um, mentorship together will be shown as part of the Tarnandi Festival next year. Oh, great. So, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Deborah is great. The one question for everyone is, do you see opportunities for yourself to contribute to your community through activism, either directly through your own artistic voice and what you make, or through forming a group and delivering an action? It's a big question. It's a long question. Last long, question. I told you I like to ask a complicated question. <laughs> no short and sharp here. But is there anything, I'll pop that in the um, chat as well, is there anything that you, you can see an opportunity for that you want to dive in so that you can have your own active or political voice? Activism isn't necessarily um, always art-driven. It can just be within your everyday community and the mm. things that you do on a small scale every day um, can quite often be seen as activism and might not necessarily be fundraising, but it's building a community together so that you can go forward mm. for, for the better together, which I think is a really interesting um, thing mm. to, to remember as well. Um, I'd love to thank everyone for being here. It was such, um, it's this, you know, an incredible session. It was our first session for revision. So really great to see how people want to interact because I know everyone hasn't always, uh, you know, doesn't always have a lot of um, experience with Zoom when they come into these sessions. So you never really know how it's going to go. So thank you, everyone, for being so wonderful. And thank you, Vipu, for such uh, meaningful and inspiration conversation. Thank you. Thank great. you for having me. It was great. Thank you. I will just let everyone know that uh, we this is the first session, so we have many more sessions for revision this week um, coming up. Today I'm talking to Christy Dina, who will be um, discussing the rituals of online art processes at 4 p.m. At 7 p.m. tonight, I'll be talking to Yuani Skes and Claire Belfrage on the role of the artist. Bookings are open until one hour beforehand before the session, so please feel free to sign up if you haven't. 
Tomorrow I'm speaking with Lisa Weyop and Ingrid Werner on meaningful collaboration, on their fashion collaboration together. And at one, um, I'm chatting to Kent Wilson, who is a co-founder of the Kind and Contemporary Triennale. So he's really talking about bringing communities together and collaborating. So that will be really interesting as well. We also have a really ridiculously fun platform that we're launching tomorrow night in um, a platform called Gather Town, where we will all have little avatars and we're able to walk up to one another and mingle and chat as though we're at an opening. So we'll have four prestigious curators from around the nation, from Carriageworks, Powerhouse, NGV and Stations Gallery. So please feel free to sign up and you can have the opportunity to talk to a curator, which is really an exciting thing at this time where we can't travel in particular. Um, and then on Thursday, Heidi Kenyon will host a session with Amy Hurrigan called Practical Tips and Tricks for Increasing Your Online Viability. And that evening we will conclude the session or the program for the spring sessions with our Guildhouse CEO, Emma Fay, who will be talking with Daniel Slater from the Victorian Albert Museum in London with Lisa Slade from AXA at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. So if you are interested, please do sign up to any of those sessions. And our tech mentorship program, which I haven't really talked about too much in this session, is accepting expressions of interest until September 30. And that's an awesome opportunity for artists to grow their digital skills through tailored sessions. So please hop onto our website. That is just for South Australian artists, unfortunately. The rest of the program is a free-for-all, um, but please do look at our website for more information. Thank you again, Vipu. Thank you, Thank everyone. Thank you, Debbie. Lovely to see you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, <laughs> everyone. Bye. Bye, Henry. <laughs> bye, Sue. Bye, Sam. Bye, Carrie. Bye, Liz. Bye, bye Judy. <laughs> bye, Matu. Oh, my God, so many. Can't read the name. Thank you for listening to the Revision podcast series recorded on Ghana Country. This series is brought to you by Guildhouse, our supporting partners and session speakers. Please head to our website guildhouse.org.au for more information on the series and our artistic collaborations with and professional development opportunities for Australian artists. Revision was developed with support from Australia Council for the Arts, the Day Family Foundation and Creative Partnerships Australia and has continued through the generous philanthropic support of the Guildhouse Creative Visionaries.